At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Do you ever feel like the world is spinning out of control? Amidst the world's chaos and growing opposition to our faith, economic hardship, and overwhelming challenges, we can find inspiration from the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. Despite facing an angry king, severe drought, massive opposition, and depression, Elijah lived a powerful and impactful life for God. Join us for our series, Elijah, as we learn how the same God Elijah served can use us to live a life of impact for his kingdom. Church family, it's good to be with you guys as we open up God's word. As Jacob said, my name is, is Ryan Nast, and I'm our family ministries director here at Woodside Farmington Hills. It's so encouraging to see so many kids and, and our students in the service today, and I'm just so grateful that we could, could do this on a family Sunday here during Labor Day weekend. Uh, today we're going to be continuing on in our series, Going Through the Life of Elijah, or at least a portion of the life of Elijah, as we've seen uh, in, in 1 Kings. And we've seen God do some pretty big things through Elijah in this series, haven't we? We've seen him uh, raise someone from the dead. We've seen him speak out against the false prophets of Baal. We've seen him... Uh, even called down fire from heaven in order to do some of those things. So there was a, he's done a lot of big things for God so far in this series. And, and even last week, we saw that while he had done some of these big things for God through the power of God, for sure, uh, he also dealt with various internal struggles of his own. He wasn't without some of those things. He dealt with things like anxiety and depression. He'd even asked God to take his life from him, as we saw last week. Uh, and we all struggle with things, something in our, th- things in our lives, don't we? We all, whether they, they look similar to that of Elijah or, or not, we all have various internal battles that we face in our lives. And the beautiful thing is what we saw, we began to see last week, and what we even will see even more so this week is that these struggles that we face in our lives don't stop God from using us to accomplish his, his will for this world and, and really to, to bring glory to his kingdom in this world. And that's, that's just such an awesome thing for us. I, I don't know about you, but I, I know I've experienced God using me in my weakness before, in my moments of struggle and, and doubt. And, I, and maybe you can think of a time in your life where you were going through something and God uh, did that for you. He met you in that moment and actually used it for his glory. I know growing up, I, I never thought that I would be up on, and on a stage talking in front of people at all. I never thought that I would be called into full-time vocational ministry as a career path, never thought I'd be working in a church. Uh, but And then a lot of that had to do with some of the struggle I faced inwardly, some of the anxiety that I dealt with, uh, it, it just the idea of hating being in front of people and speaking. Uh, the, the idea that I, I felt like I was more suited to do work behind the scenes. Maybe some of you uh, are like, amen to that. And, I, and you know, I was, I was I, 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 it's not that that work isn't important. I loved the ways that, 
that God uh, gifted me there as well. And, uh, and I, I remember coming to him and telling him that that's, that's kind of where I, I felt like he was leading me to do. And I want to be careful before I go too much further with this example, because I know that not everybody here is called to serve in the church, on a church staff, or, or, or to, to, to give up what they're doing as a career and follow God. I understand that not everybody's called to, do, to serve God in that way, but that doesn't mean that we aren't called to serve God in some way. And while we are today looking at the call of Elisha into full-time ministry as a prophet, we still, there's still something for all of us here today, and we'll see that all of us are indeed called to serve God where we're at in some way. And so, as I said, I thought my role was kind of more behind the scenes until God started revealing to me and that, that he had other plans as he, he so, awesome, so, so greatly does at various points in our lives. Uh, and I'd been praying for a little bit. God, where, what's next for me when I was getting ready to, to graduate high school? And at that point, I was going through a pretty difficult time in my life. My grandpa was passing away from cancer at that point. And uh, I, I, the night that he eventually did die was one of the hardest, yet one of the best nights of my life. I know that might sound a little strange saying that that was one of the, the best nights of my life, but it's more so looking back and seeing what God has done as a result of that night that I can say that now. Uh, I'd never known somebody that close to me to pass away at that point. And so uh, that, it was a difficult time. But as my family and I spent time talking through his life, talking about how he had served the Lord and, um, and, and just reminiscing some of those, those things about him that night. I remember one of my family members telling me that I had ministered to them and how I handled that. And I don't, I don't know, in that moment, it just was like God was saying, Ryan, this is what's next. I don't even know how I can explain other than it was on my heart, and I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. At first, I, I honestly just ran. I didn't want any part of this, this calling. Um, but God had other Plans. As I, as I kind of put things off and, and started wrestling with him in prayer over that, uh, telling him, Lord, I don't, I don't feel equipped, eventually I did begin to open up and talk through this with different family members and pastors, and when I thought God was going to close doors, he just kept opening them along the way, and here I am today, and I'm grateful for that. But it, what God began showing me at that time was that I didn't have to be equipped in that moment because God is the one who equips people to do the things that he is calling them to do. And, and maybe you know today that you, and are here and are like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to serve God in some way. But what does that actually look like? How, how do I actually serve him? How, how do I know the ways that God desires for me to step out in faith and serve him and his, his church? And I think oftentimes in the church, we feel like we need that audible moment, that, 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 that moment where we're like, yeah, God so clearly spoke to me, and this is the next thing, this is the next place I'm supposed to, to serve him in in my life. Maybe even that, that fire coming down from heaven moment. I know we love those moments because there's, it brings clarity. But even as, as Jacob kind of showed us last week, God shows up in moments of silence through things like whispers as well. And he's just as powerful in those moments as he is when we see the fire coming down from heaven. 
And so in other, in other words, what I want us to see this morning is that, that we don't need to overcomplicate things here. We don't need to overcomplicate things. When God places something in our hearts, that might be enough. And we'll see that today from the example of, of Elisha. And I love that we have kids in here this morning. I love the fact that they get to hear from this passage this morning because parents, I hope that you'll see that there are opportunities for you to help um, your, your kids grow in what this looks like, to live out the call that God has for their lives, how they're gonna serve God's kingdom in ways uh, that, that none of us here uh, can, that, that God has gifted them specifically to do. And, and, and today we'll see three things about who God is that shapes this the way that we are called into action. The first of those being that God's direction can be trusted. God's direction can be trusted. And we see that in 1 Kings 19, verse 19 here. It says this. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. So as we have already said, Elijah was struggling. That's where we met him last week, feeling like maybe his ministry was for nothing, that though he had spoke on behalf of God to the people of Israel, there were still so many people who were following after the false god, Baal. And people were out to take his life from him. And in that moment, yeah, of course he's struggling. I think any of us would be. But God met him there. God met him in that moment. He provided him with food, with rest that he needed to go on this journey to Mount Horeb, where ultimately God spoke through a whisper there and reminded him that he had not abandoned him that God had not abandoned his prophet. And in fact, God told Elijah on that mountain that he had a plan, a plan that involved many who had not turned their back on God, who had not bowed their knee to the false god Baal, but were still worshiping God alone as the one true God. And God revealed to Elijah that he was part of that plan. He was part of this plan, even though he was in the midst of this hard moment in his life. He was told that he was going to anoint two kings, two kings that were going to bring justice to, to this, but he was also going to anoint one man, one man named Elisha, who was going to take over his prophetic ministry from him. He was going to take over that ministry. And what we see right away here in our text is that Elijah obeys the voice of God. He hears the voice of God, and then he obeys the voice of God. That's what the first few words here say, right, in verse 19. So he departed from there. That right after God reveals his plan to him, it says, so he departed from there. Elijah hears God's word, sees that his direction can be trusted, and follows and embarks on this journey. Now, our text doesn't say whether Elijah was struggling in that moment still, whether he had doubts, whether he had frustrations with this plan along the way. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I mean, this is a moment where he's still struggling, where God has met him, yes, and has revealed to him the direction of where he's to go, but so often we struggle even in those moments, don't we? 
When God says, this is what's next, we're still, we're still dealing with those things, and I wouldn't be surprised if Elijah was as he's on our way as well. I know our text doesn't reveal some of those things to us this morning, but that's just natural because when we're dealing with deep internal battles, things that are struggles in our lives, it's only natural that it leads us to some of those things, and we can bring those things to God in those moments, certainly, but we can also obey God in those moments, too, when he's calling us to do something. And we, can, we should because his direction can be trusted. It's exactly what Elijah does here and what an example he is for us because of that, because he obediently follows God, even though it might have been difficult. And as he's on this way and embarking on this journey... Elijah runs into Elisha, this man who God has already revealed to him and told him about, right? Like, this is great news for him. Elijah's struggling, and when you're struggling, I don't know about you, but a really good friend is awesome in those moments. And so God's provided that for him through Elisha, or is about to provide that to him through Elisha. And that's a beautiful reality, right? That, that when we're going through difficulties in our lives, we can have community in those moments and, and, and people that can point us back to the Lord in those moments. And so if you're not in a life group this morning, I'd encourage you to be a part of one because that's one of the ways here at Woodside that we engage in community and do life together so that we can help each other through some of those moments. So yeah, Elijah runs into Elisha. He knows the plan. But Elisha doesn't really know what's going on yet, does he? Like, this is a, a, probably a, a going to be a pretty big surprise to him in that moment because clearly prophet wasn't Elisha's current occupation. That's what we see here in this text, right? We see him as the one who is plowing the field with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. And because he's named as the son of Shaphat, and because we learn of these 12 oxen here, uh, scholars would say that that shows that he's coming from a family of, of wealth, family that had it going on, a pretty comfortable lifestyle in many ways. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that day, as, as Elijah is about to pass by, was probably feeling pretty ordinary for Elisha. And then all of a sudden, the prophet comes comes up to him specifically, casts his cloak on him, and we're probably like, what's going on here? Like, if we're, we were watching this go on firsthand, we might not understand what's going on, but Elisha certainly knew what was happening, that in that moment, as Elijah casts the cloak on him, he was being called into ministry by God as a prophet. That is, is what was happening Maybe to put this in our context today, it might be like if, if Pastor Jacob or one of our pastors here at Woodside were to go up to somebody who is working a, a pretty well-paying job, maybe in the corporate world at some place like, like Ford or GM, um, and, and telling that person that they're going to leave everything behind and go into pastoral ministry because that's what God's calling them to do. Now, that probably would sound pretty disorienting to just about everybody in here who's not currently doing that, and that would make sense because that can be a pretty disorienting thing, right? When you're doing one thing in life and all of a sudden God says, this is the direction you're going to go, and it's completely opposite, completely different direction. And I, I know people who have actually had similar things like that happen to them. I've benefited from their ministry, and they, they would have, as I've talked with them through that, yeah, they've, they've been like, yeah, it was a difficult moment, a turning point in my life for sure, 
But they were glad that 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 had happened. And I'm sure that it was disorienting in that moment, too, for Elisha, that he was probably like, what is going on? Like, I'm sure there was some some sort of shock or surprise. I mean, it's a big ask for somebody to leave the comfort of home and, and to obey what God is asking them to do, to go in a completely different direction. But as we'll see, that's exactly what Elisha does. Perhaps knowing that that's what Elisha's being asked to do makes you wonder, how, how does this really apply to me today? How, I, I'm not, I don't think God's asking me to leave my, voca- my work, my career behind to go and serve him in the church, to, to, to be a, a pastor or, or on a church staff in some way. Well, like we said, we've all dealt with internal struggles before, just like Elijah was dealing with, like Elisha may have been dealing with, I don't know. Um, but in those moments when life feels unstable, whether it's at home, at work, something comes up medically and you're like, I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to hear from the doctor. I hope it's good news, but I don't know. Or, or maybe it just feels like you've been praying for something for a while and it just doesn't feel like, like is God actually present in this? Is he actually working in the middle of this? She is, of course. In those moments, we can trust that God is at work, that, that, that when he places something on our hearts and is asking us to go and do something, that we can trust his direction in those moments because it is worth trusting him because, his, he, because he's a trustworthy God, right? His track record is phenomenal at making good on his promises, and that's going to always be true of who he is. Also, when God's direction becomes clear and lines up with his word, because that's important, right? God's not going to contradict what he says in his word. When his direction becomes clear to us and it lines up with that, we need to trust that. Whether that is completely changing the way we, we, we're, what we're doing in life. Whether that is just a call to, to love and, and support somebody in a different way. Whether that's financially or opening up your house to them or, or whatever that God has blessed you with to serve. Maybe it's a call to serve in a new ministry area, something that you maybe uh, are unfamiliar with. In those moments, trust, know and trust God's direction. Know that he is going to equip you to do the things that he has called you to do because that is who he is. And we can trust his direction in those moments. So that's what we've seen so far in this text. But as we kind of go on, we also come to see that God's call demands commitment. God's call demands commitment. We see that in verse 20 through the first sentence there in verse 21. It says this, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him, and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. We see in these verses Elisha's full and unwavering commitment to what God has called him to do, to leave everything behind and to go serve him as a prophet. See that in verse 20, right? He leaves the oxen, he, he runs after Elijah, and he follows him. Now, I know there's some words kind of in between the, the actually running after Elijah and the following of Elijah where we see 
that he, that he asks him, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Now, this, this ask to go home, to say goodbye to his family, it may be one that some of us may question, should we look down on Elisha for that? Just in light of what we see Jesus say later on in the New Testament, uh, we see Jesus answer or get asked something very similar to what Elisha is asking of Elijah here in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 through 62, where it says this. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow it's kind of what Elisha was doing, right? Was plowing the fields and looks back, so going to say farewell to his parents, right? Is fit for the kingdom of God. It's a pretty, pretty big uh, statement to make there, right? And, and uh, I, want, I want to say that I, I do believe there's a big difference between what we see in Luke chapter 9 and what we see here in 1 Kings chapter 19. See, I believe Jesus knew that when this man would return home to say goodbye to his family, that ultimately that was going to be a stumbling block for him. That was going to be something that was going to stop him from actually uh, obeying the call that God had placed on his life. It was going to get in the way of him serving God and his kingdom. But if we look at what is going on in Elisha's life here, it's not really what's happening, is it? He's not really looking back to remain comfortable, but instead he's going back home in order to look forward and cut ties and move on with what God has called him to do. And that's what we see as, as, as verse 21 um, continues to go on, right? Elijah does allow Elisha to go back home to say goodbye to his family. And, and all of a sudden we see that, that, that he took the yoke of the oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. So there's a lot going on there, a lot happening. So when Elijah goes home, he sacrifices these oxen that he has, the, the, his, what he's been doing as a, for his, his livelihood, for his job. He burns them with the tools that he uses for plowing uh, he could have used wood, right? Instead, he uses these tools. But in other words, he's doing that to say, I'm not looking back. I'm not going back to this life. Uh, I'm following after the call that God has placed on my life. I don't need these tools anymore. I don't need these oxen anymore because that's not what I'm doing anymore. That's, that's not what God has called me to anymore. I'm going to go and serve him as his prophet. What extraordinary faith that that really is from Elisha, that he would sacrifice everything to go and follow God. And that's something that's so often hard to do in this world, where, we, where it's so much easier for us to remain selfish and comfortable in the things that we have in our lives and what we've, we've gained, and, 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 and rather than actually going and living out the calling that God has asked us to do. It's tough in those moments, and there's certainly times in our lives where I'm sure we can look back and say, yeah, we, we didn't get that right, or we did fail. 
to live out what God has asked us to do. But the good news is that even when we fail, there's forgiveness that is available to us in Christ. There's forgiveness available in Christ. I mean, Jesus perfectly lived out commitment to the Father's will in his life, did he not? I mean, that's amazing news for us right, in the, right there. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? And he struggled in the garden the night before he was going to be taken. He asked the Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours be done. Extraordinary faith and commitment to the Father's will, ultimately that led to his death on the cross for our sin. And the good news is he didn't stay dead, did he? No, he rose victoriously from the grave three days later, defeating death and sin. And it is his resurrection that provides us with hope. And it's through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection that, yes, we experience forgiveness of our sin. But we also receive the Holy Spirit who lives within us now and who is helping us to walk obediently to the calling that God has placed on our lives. It's because of that that we, not because of our, who, who we are and in and of ourselves, it's because of who God is that we can obediently follow in his direction for our lives, living out that calling that he has placed on our lives. And so let me once again be clear, church. We're all called to serve God in some way. College football season's in full swing. Uh, I had the privilege of going to the University of Michigan yesterday to Big House to watch my beloved Michigan Wolverines uh, win against, yes, a, a high school opponent, but at least they didn't struggle like the Buckeyes did against Indiana. So um, that said, um, we, it was awesome, though, to be in a crowd of, uh, of over 100,000 people uh, watching our team go on to win. But let me be clear. The, the, the kingdom of God is not meant to be like going to a game at the big house where we just sit in the stands and watch what's going on and not get in the, on the action whatsoever. No, the kingdom of heaven calls us into action. God calls us to be with him and participate with him in, in, in the work of ministry to be actually like the, one, the people who are on the field playing in the game. And, and so we're all called to get in the game in some way. Is God calling you to open up your home or some other part of your life to somebody in need? Well, commit to it. Is he calling you to, to give to a certain ministry or more to our church in order that the gospel might go out and advance in this world and that more may come to know him as Savior? Well, participate in that way. Are you not currently serving in our church at this moment? Well, commit to serving here in the ways that God has gifted you. I know we're in need of, think, of people who can stand, sit, sit, commit to being a life group leader, people who will invest in people's lives through community. I know that's a big need right now in our church. And so uh, if that's something that God's leading you to do, we'd love to talk with you more about that. I know that our kids' ministry desires to have full kids' ministry, not just in our second service, but in our first service as well. And we're really hoping to separate our nursery toddler room here pretty soon because we have a lot of young kids coming in. And that's, I mean, praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. Uh, but we need more volunteers in order to really love and care for them well. And so if that's something that interests you, come talk with me. I'd love to get you plugged in. 
We have other areas you can serve too. We have connect and hospitality ministries that help welcome people into our church. We have student ministries where we can pour into the next generation. We have needs on our worship team, and, and we could go on down the line. There are so many different needs that we have in this church, and God has gifted you uniquely to serve in some way in our church in ways that I can't, in ways that our pastors can't, and our staff can't, and that's the beautiful thing is that we get to do this together, church. We get to do this together, and so we'd love to plug you in if there's, a, if, the, if there's something that you're interested in doing in a way that you're interested in serving, but get in the game. Get in the game because God's call demands commitment. But we also see that God's assignment involves development. That God's assignment involves development. And that's from the very last sentence there in our passage in verse 21. It says this, Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. I know we've kind of talk, already talked about how Elijah, or Elisha was going to leave everything behind, be obedient to this calling, to go and follow Elijah. So I don't want to belabor that point too much because we've talked about it. But that word there, assist, is, is very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, because it can also be translated as to serve. Elisha left to serve Elijah. He served him in his ministry. Now, that's not the life of comfort and status that Elisha just left behind, is it? No, it's, it's not as glamorous as that. In fact, uh, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11 describes uh, Elisha as being the one who would pour water on Elijah's hands. It's not a glamorous role but it was a role that allowed for him to have access to this prophet. It was a role that allowed for him to learn from him in ministry. It was a role that allowed for him to wait and, and be developed under Elijah as a leader. And that, we don't, while we might not know exactly how long this lasted, uh, a lot of scholars would say that's probably, it was probably a period of six years or more that this was happening, that Elisha was just in this season of waiting and development. I don't know about you, but that sounds like an awful long time to wait. I mean, today we certainly view it that way, right? We want everything now in our world. When the new iPhone comes out, we want to be the first to have it. We want to pull out the, our phones, look up our apps, go order our, our, our food, and when we show up to the restaurant, it better be ready, right? Because we want, to, we want, to, we want it now. We don't want to wait for our food. Maybe even in our jobs, we find ourselves wanting quick success and results, maybe cutting corners to get there. At the, right, the expense, we, we do these things at the expense of quality sometimes. But God does a lot in these seasons of waiting and development in our lives. And I know that can sometimes be difficult, can't it, when we're in those seasons of waiting and development, or maybe we've been asking God for something for some time, and we're just like, God, are you at work here? I, I, I feel like you're silent. Um, trust me, I know that those moments can be difficult, and that they are hard, but please know that they aren't wasted, that God isn't, is still at work in those moments, that he is still... Uh, in doing incredible things in your lives and preparing you to do the work of ministry. 
Are you in that season right now? I mean, kids and, and students, you're kind of automatically in there, right? You're kind of automatically in this season where you are waiting and being developed by your parents in your homes. You're going to school. I know that that might, and, and I know that might be difficult too. I'm sure that that's been. Um, there's there's times where that feels like that can be boring, can't it? Going to school and um, having to learn there. But know that even as you're you're growing, even in those moments where you're growing. That God is still at work. Trust that he is. Trust that he is guiding you to what he has next for you in life. That he's still using you in those moments as you develop under, uh, under your parents and under your teachers. So listen to them. Listen to them and grow under them. Because this is an awesome opportunity where you have, you're going to have opportunities to serve the church, the kingdom of God, in ways that I can't. And that's a beautiful thing. In ways that your parents can't. What an awesome thing. And parents, how are you intentionally preparing your kids to go and serve the kingdom of God one day once they leave your home? I mean, look at what we see from Elijah here. He's mentoring Elisha. He's helping prepare him for what's next. He's getting ready to pass the baton of ministry over to him. How are you doing that with your kids? Are you finding places to serve as a family? I think that's one of the things I love most about our family Sundays is getting to see kids have opportunities to serve alongside their parents. And, um, and when that happens, that's, um, that's amazing. That's a great opportunity, parents, to kind of come and, and help your kids uh, grow in what that looks like. Are you teaching them the gospel? Are you having conversations about what we see in God's word with them and, uh, and discipling them, asking them kind of their thoughts even so that that way you can help them grow in those moments, pass that baton well. And know that as a church, we are here to love and support you in that. I'd love to help however I can in that. But maybe you're here today and you're like, my season of waiting looks even different than that. My season doesn't look like that. Maybe you're wondering if God will ever provide you with a spouse. Maybe you're wondering when you're gonna get that job promotion or whether you're gonna get good or bad news on your health. Maybe it's something else, right? We can go on down the line. There's so many things that we could say, and like that's, that's a season of waiting. And it, sometimes it's easy to feel stuck in those moments. Feel stuck, but know that you're not stuck. That God is developing things in you in those seasons. That he's at work despite the circumstances that you are going through. And that he's equipping you with new, new skills and, and things that, that, that only you have in order to serve God's kingdom well. You have unique ways that are going to help point people to Jesus. Who knows, maybe that hard circumstance is one day going to be used to help somebody else who's going through a similar circumstance. I don't know, but God's gonna use those things to help grow his church, to grow his kingdom, and you're gonna be able to be a part of that in pointing people to Jesus. And what an amazing privilege that that truly is. So don't be discouraged with what those seasons are that you're going through. I know it's easy. I know it's easy to get discouraged in those moments. But know that God's assignment does involve development. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But it's always good, and it's always for the glory of God. So hopefully from all of this today, you've seen that God faithfully calls people into his mission. God faithfully calls people into his mission. How does he do this? 
through us trusting his direction, through us remaining committed to his calling on our lives, even when it means going through seasons of waiting and development. Sometimes that means taking steps of faith and saying, God, I'm going to serve you in a way that I haven't before, ways that we normally wouldn't. I know I wouldn't be standing in front of you this morning had the Lord not asked me to do something like that. And I'm glad that he did. I'm glad to be able to be a part of this church in the capacity that I am. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So when God puts something on your heart, yeah, take time. Pray about it. Line it up with God's word. Because that's important. But also don't be afraid to just jump in and be a part of the work and ministry that he is calling you to do. We're all called to get in the game in some way. And he wants to use all of us, Right? even in those moments of weakness. He certainly did with Elijah, right, who was going through a really tough time, and all of a sudden, God's using this to help him prepare the next prophet of the nation of Israel. What an amazing privilege that must have been. And so, likewise, God uses us in our weakness. He uses those moments of struggling and doubt and frustration The places that we never thought he would use for his glory, he does use for his glory. It's an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. And in those places, we get to see how powerful, how glorious he is. So how are you going to be a part of God's mission? Pray about that this week. See, is God asking you to step into a new area of ministry that maybe you haven't before? Is he calling you to do something different for him? Certainly pray about it today, this week, but don't forget to pray about that regularly because there are different seasons that God is asking us to step into different things. But above all, trust God. Be committed to his calling on your life and remain faithful even in those seasons of waiting and development because I think you're gonna see that he's just a good God. He's a good God and he faithfully calls people into his mission. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that even in the difficult moments of our lives, those moments where we are struggling, where we just don't know what's next, that you provide direction and that you help us even to to, to live obediently to that direction, Lord. Lord, in those moments where we may be unfaithful, would you help us to come back to you, to bring our struggles or whatever it is that we're dealing with to you, and know that you're going to help us to live faithfully to that call. Lord, would you just help us, even in those seasons of waiting, those seasons where we just don't, maybe, just maybe be failing to see you at your work and what that looks like, but would we know in those seasons that you are still at work and that you are developing things in us that are going to help us share who Jesus is with the world around us. So thank you for calling us to be a part and of what you're doing in this world, Lord. And would we, would we be a part of that, Lord? Would you help us and give us wisdom for what that looks like? Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.